everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk, brought to you by co-lead pastor, Amos Grunendijk. Good morning, everybody. I have a question for the tech team. Do we have a video for uh, the Marriage Summit? You have a video for Marriage Summit. Okay, well, my bad, I guess. I didn't pass that along to where it's supposed to go. But I guess we'll send it out in a text later. How does that sound? So just one more thing. February 25 and 26, right, is the Marriage Summit. We had this scheduled back in March 2020. And you remember what happened next. <laughs> so we used that flight credit. Kurt Attaway is coming back from Pearland, Texas. He is a trained uh, like marriage counselor. He is, beyond that, a vineyard pastor, a really cool guy. He has sat with tons of people who are either in a crisis in their marriage or just wanting to have a stronger marriage. And let me say this to you. Uh, even if you're not married, if you're thinking about getting married, but like your, your, your most important human relationship is worth the time and worth the money. Honestly, 75 bucks is a cheap date and you're not only getting uh, you know, a professional giving you like his stuff, you get dinner on Friday night and childcare on Saturday morning. Can you do that all for 75 bucks? You know what an hour of counseling costs? More than that. So I would love for you guys to sign up. It's at csvineyard.org backslash events. Steph didn't mention that, right? Okay, because I was supposed to, but then I didn't have the video for you. So anyway, uh, my name is Amos. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm one of the lead pastors here, and uh, I mean, I'm a little discombobulated now because I, I have some things to say about, you know, the Bible and stuff, but I've been, I, I've been in preparation for our new series, I've been looking back at what we've covered the last five years. My wife and I have been here for just over five years now. And we have, we've been making our way through the Bible, not chronologically, but you can see we've done series on Genesis, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Isaiah, the Gospels, John. We looked at the Sermon on the Mount for like eight weeks straight. We did a series on the parables and 1 Corinthians. Most recently, Revelation. Remember that? That was fun over Christmas. And uh, so there, there's, there's definitely more Bible, and I feel like a study of the Bible is something you do your whole life. And I even, I realized uh, that the text I'm using today is out of Deuteronomy, and we covered it in 2019, but I have no, I don't remember anything I said, <laughs> but, but I'm reading it with fresh eyes this week. I don't know if it just wasn't good or if having a baby or having COVID just like erased my memory from that kind of era. 
But I, I realized reading it this week, whatever I formally thought about the passage, there's just something deeper that I'm experiencing. And, and because I'm different and because I've grown, hopefully, uh, in maturity and my understanding and my experiences, there, there's a weightiness now to this verse that I've known forever, but has now done, it's gotten deeper into my heart. And so this new series is called Project Bible because we'll be watching Bible Project videos every week. And while they are happy for us to show their videos, we couldn't, uh, we couldn't use their brand on a sign. So we're calling it Project Bible instead. That's, I mean, I think it's funny. Uh, Project Bible will be not looking at a particular book, but looking at theological themes that run throughout the entire Bible. And so you can see a couple of the themes that we will cover. For instance, today we'll be looking at the Shema, uh, or the passage in Deuteronomy that begins, Hear, O Israel. We'll be looking at the Holy Spirit, creation, the character of God, how to read the Bible, the royal priest, and spiritual beings. So in connection, or, or not, we won't just be showing Bible Project videos on Sunday morning, which if you've been coming to the Vineyard for a while, you've seen a couple of these. We've been, we've been doing a daily reflection that we've been doing kind of homegrown, uh, and you've been able to watch those on YouTube, but there's also a way to sign up for a text that goes out every morning at 8 a.m. Because these are not our videos largely, there will be some of our voices that get mixed in throughout but because we're sharing the Bible Project videos, they won't live on our YouTube channel. If you want to receive them every day, you need to sign up uh, for the daily text that will go out at 8 a.m. And how do you sign up for that text? Is that something at csvineyard.org backslash events? No, that one's not, but here's, the, what, here's what I'll do. You can read about it there. What, what'll happen is, uh, Later today or tomorrow morning, I'll send out a text to the entire church with the Bible Project video saying, if you want to sign up for these every day, just let me know via text. And if you never have gotten a text from the church, it's probably because uh, you haven't like filled out a Connect card, and, and that's okay. It's an invitation to do so, and that's at the moment living on our homepage, csvineyard.org. So that's, that's a bunch of preliminary stuff. Because I thought there was going to be a video, I left my Bible on this chair, so I'll be right back. I was going to get it during the video. Ooh, and you know what else I want? Could you grab me that stool, Scott? Thank you. Um, let's pray, shall we? Come, Holy Spirit. We invite you to meet us here. Whatever kind of week we've had, whatever kind of week we're expecting, whether it has been full of joy and peace or anxiety and fear or anger, we come to you in need of your presence and in need of your love. So whatever I say that comes from you, I pray that it would sear into our hearts, like be, be written on our hearts. If I say anything today that's not true, uh, just let it be totally forgotten. We stand on, on your scriptures, on your word, and we trust your Holy Spirit to do the work of transformation. So make us imitators of you, God. Help us to 
embody your character and to love in the same way that you love. Amen. So uh, I, I encourage everyone to bring their Bibles every week, but it's okay if you didn't because we have some spares, some extras, some, some that we can lend out. They're in the back on those little carts, and they're the same, they have the same page numbers as this Bible here. So uh, if you've got your NLT, Jesus-Centered Bible, you can turn to whatever page is on the screen, 190, and we'll be reading from Deuteronomy 6, and this is maybe the central creed of Judaism. This has been translated, not uh, uh, translated isn't the right word. This has been embodied by the Jewish people for millennia as a prayer that they pray every morning and evening. It connects to us as Christians because not only do we like look at the Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures as relevant uh, to us. This is probably a prayer that Jesus would have prayed twice a day. Jewish people call it the Shema because the first word in this prayer uh, in Hebrew is Shema. Uh, So in Hebrew, it's Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. But you don't have to remember that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, let me read, read from the English here. Deuteronomy 6. Listen, O Israel. The Lord is our God the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Listen, O vineyard, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. The personal nature of this creed, I think, is really obvious in that opening line. The Lord is our God. Not an abstract idea, not a set of doctrines or beliefs, but a personal God who reveals himself to us. And the word, uh, when you see in your Bible the capital L-O-R-D, did you see that? You notice that? That's because it's the English way to express that this is the name of God or Yahweh, Sometimes said contemporarily, Jehovah, which, well, there's more info on that in a Bible project video. So just subscribe and I won't get into that. But Yahweh is the name that God revealed to his people, like in the burning bush before he led them out of slavery in the, like through Moses. And so Yahweh is a very, it's a personal name that God shows to us. And it's, it's, it conveys this idea that God is knowable. But he's knowable through his revelation to us, through the scriptures, but then perfectly in the person of Jesus. It's a theological statement. It's a belief statement. It's important to know that if God is real and knowable, which is like basic to our faith, then there are true things about him and there are false things about him. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. 
And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your strength. There are two commands here. What are they? Listen and love. And these are themes that you will find throughout the entire Bible. All the stories connect to the idea of listening and loving. We listen to God's voice in like really two basic ways. So many of you know that I have a two-year-old and uh, we read the Bible like a kid's Bible, like every day. And she asks for it. It's really amazing. Like we couldn't have like talked. I don't, you know, it's not like we talked her into reading the Bible. We just did it and she loves it. And she asked for it. And one night I was finishing the story of Samuel. Do you know the story of Samuel? Samuel is a young child and he's laying in his bed and he hears his name called out to him. Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel says, what's that? And he's like, oh, it must be Eli, my caretaker, like my adoptive father, basically. So he runs over to Eli's room and says, did you call me? And Eli says, no, I didn't call you. Go back to bed, which if you have a kid, that's like, (laughs) that's the standard. Go back to bed. Uh, But it happens again. Samuel, Samuel. And he goes to Eli and Eli says, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. He goes back to bed, and it happens the third time, and Eli says, you know what? I know what's going on here. It's the Lord. He is speaking to you. When the Lord speaks, answer, here I am. Your servant is listening. So he goes back to bed, and and God gives Samuel a message for Eli. And I finish the story, and Isla, again, she's, she's two and a half, She looks at me and says, God talks to me, Dada. And I thought, whoa. That is, she's not just repeating something that I've told her. Like the story is about God speaking to Samuel. And she looks at me and she says, God speaks to me, Dada. And I say, what does God tell you? Like, what did God say? And she goes like this. She, She says, God loves all the people. And I thought, Whoa, I I believe it. I believe God spoke to my two-year-old. And I say, what else did God say to you? And she says, God loves me too. God speaks to us today through his Holy Spirit. Do you believe that? And there is something special and unique if you're listening for it and hear the words that we all know cognitively, God loves all the people and God loves me too. But to open up the ears of your heart to hear those words, that is the fuel for your spiritual life and the strength to endure. I've maybe shared with you before, uh, I think all the most significant things I've done in my life have been in response to the voice of God. Not because I heard like a, an audible thing or I had a vision of heaven opening, but I mean, I, I'm in the vineyard movement because of the voice of God. Didn't come willingly. God drug me in. 
I'm here in Pennsylvania because of the voice of God. Didn't want to move east, wanted to move south. This today is a great example of why. Uh, but man, I love this church, man. I just say, I do. I went on a retreat. This, this is a total tangent. I went on a retreat with other pastors this summer, and they said, tell us about the last two years. And everybody's like, COVID, 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 COVID. And I said, you know what? I love my church more today than I did two years ago. And to be able to look back and say that is just like, I'm so thankful to be here. I'm here in Pennsylvania because of the voice of God. I wouldn't have chosen it, but God knew what was best. I married my wife because of the vision I had driving from Chicago, Illinois to Grand Rapids, Michigan. I am a pastor, again, not because I thought it would be a great plan for my life, not in it for the money, not in it for the fame, not in it for the, you know, all the nice things you guys say about me, which is, I mean, I appreciate that, Uh, but that's not why I'm doing it. Uh, and I, I know it was the voice of God because, I mean, it wasn't my idea and I didn't want to do it. I'm sitting in my bedroom and, you know, there's like all the San Francisco 49ers paraphernalia all over the place, if you can imagine that. And uh, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm minding my own business. And God says, I want you to go to seminary. And I said, nope. <laughs> like, what is that voice in my head? Nope. I'll make you a deal, God. I'll, I'll coach basketball and teach Bible. How about that? Because I really wanted to coach basketball. I wasn't any good at basketball, but I like, I had been coaching my brother's team and I really liked that. So I tell that story to say, if you're listening to God, if you find yourself bargaining with God, eventually submit to (laughs) the voice of God and obey. The idea of listening is key in all the scriptures and all the people who do significant things for the kingdom do so because they're listening to the voice of God and they obey the voice of God. And that might sound a little scary and a little vulnerable, but the other place we listen to the voice of God is right here. And God is not going to contradict what he says in here with what he says to you, uh, like through the Holy Spirit, through your listening, because it's the same voice. It's the same spirit. It comes from the same God. And God didn't change in any way. You know, it's not like he had a a change of mind or a change of heart any time in the last 2,000 years or 4,000 years or 5,000. However old the universe is, he hasn't changed. And and I will say listening to the Bible sounds really obvious, but one of the things that I noticed that we all do, we all do it to some degree, is we pick and choose the passages that we feel good about that already fit our schema for life in the world. Uh, And we ignore or don't listen to the scriptures that are a little bit more uncomfortable or that don't already affirm our positions, which is one of the reasons I think why the daily reflections through the book of Ephesians was so powerful, because we read the whole thing from chapter one, verse one, to chapter six, verse whatever it is. And... One of the things that can happen, even for Christians, is we, we take a verse of the Bible that we like and we'll draw conclusions from that verse that actually directly contradict what the Bible says in other places. And that's how we know that we're not listening to the whole Bible. And I mean, a lot of Christian devotionals commit this crime, right? They only put the happy clappy stuff in there. You know what I mean by that? <laughs> uh, but, but the Bible... I mean, love, which is where we're going next, 
everything must be understood through the love of God. But you look at the person of Jesus, I'm going to keep saying it, and he calls people to repent because he loves them. He tells uh, a Samaritan woman who has had five husbands and apparently isn't with her current husband to go back to her husband. He rebukes the Pharisees. And these are all done out of love. Love is, is so much bigger than what we often think it is. Listen, O Israel. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And loving uh, like is, is a big part of our mission statement here. To love like Jesus is what we exist for. It's what we are trying to do as a church. And I hope like if you say, this is my church, that's, that's actually your life purpose too, to love people like Jesus. So that means loving God like Jesus and loving other people like Jesus. And that is a lifelong project. Uh, James K.A. Smith says, you are what you love. And when we talk about loving or living, there are actually, there are three elephants in the room that you probably weren't taught, but that you've caught. And what I'm trying to do is to say, like, as we, as we try to apply this truth to love the Lord with all our heart, to love like Jesus, there are things that are shaping us or forming us uh, that, again, you probably weren't taught, but that are in the water that we swim in, metaphorically speaking, and the air that we breathe. And those three things are the Enlightenment philosophy, the postmodern secular ethic, and the sex revolution of the 60s. But boom, you didn't think you were going to talk about that in church today, did you? <laughs> I don't know if other churches ever talk about uh, the Enlightenment, but you guys know I talk about it, right? <laughs> but uh, one, one of the main things that the Enlightenment did, and there are good things that the Enlightenment did, but one of the main things is it, is it reworked the human being into like a brain on a stick. So Descartes says, I think, therefore I am. And there's this disconnect then between like our minds and our bodies. And the mind always gets primary. Like reason becomes the thing on which we base truth. And you might deny your desires or believe your body isn't important. But that just means you're suppressing some reality uh, and I did tell someone earlier that cold is a mindset, but that's actually not totally the truth. <laughs> that's an enlightenment thought, <laughs> that, it's, that the brain, what I, what I say, what I can reasonably argue is true becomes truth. And the shift there is the, the foundation of what is true and what is good moves from the revealed uh, voice of God through the scriptures and through the Holy Spirit, and on to who? Me. You. The best argument. That's a significant shift, and it's, it's not just, you know, liberals. It's not just conservatives. It's liberals and conservatives. It's, it's in politics. It's, in, it's on Netflix. It's on social media. The enlightenment impact of transferring truth and our foundation for living gets transferred to the human person instead of God's revelation. The second thing is the postmodern secular ethic. Well, what the heck is that? Um, there's, a, 
there was a, a shift in our lifetime. You noticed it where it wasn't just, okay, truth is out there and knowable, but we'll all decide together kind of what it is and whoever has the best argument wins. It's transferred now to a very uh, individual level of what's true for me might not be true for you, unless, of course, what's true for you hurts me or is clearly harmful to other people. So, like, the idea is if it's not hurting someone else, then it's not, then it's not wrong. Of course, my experience of what's hurtful or harmful is very different from your experience. And I just watched this movie uh, on Disney+. Plus. Have you guys seen The Eternals? That movie went on forever. Which makes sense. It's the Eternals. Uh, I'm watching this. I'm like, this movie is going on forever. And I don't even think it was that good. So, I, you don't, I mean, I don't, I'm not recommending the movie. It's fine. But at the end, uh, I'm not going to give away too much here. One of the characters said, you know, he did what he felt was right in his heart. And so did we. Except for that other guy was trying to kill every single human. Do you see the problem with this? <laughs> uh, what was right in his heart was to annihilate the human race. And it was, it was like, it was said so like gently. And I, thought, and I said, no, that's not true. That is a secular postmodern ethic. And, the, and here's the philosophical thing going on there. If postmodernity is true, then postmodernity can't be true. Because the postmodern makes an absolute statement about truth, and that is that it is relative. <laughs> Did you catch that? If I'm saying truth is relative... I'm, then you can't also make an absolute statement about truth being relative. It's what you call self-referentially incohesive or it defeating. It defeats itself. The postmodern. Okay, I'm just going to stop with that. <laughs> the final thing is the sex revolution of the 60s. 60s. This is more fun, right? Some of you lived through this. I don't remember. Uh, what was going on in the 60s wasn't here. But uh, the, the thing that the sex revolution did, I think, is first of all, if it feels good, then it is good. And it shifted the definition of love as Jesus taught, which is self-sacrifice. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends and redefined the greater love into being sexual or romantic desire. You see how that plays out. To love by the kind of sex revolution's terms, becomes totally sexualized. Not that someone would sacrifice for their friends, but that somebody would find the desires of their heart through a sexual partner or partners. And whatever is in your heart, that's good. Do follow your desires. The question is, is that true and is it working? So like Jack Sparrow and the Pirates of the Caribbean, just because your heart has a desire, for Jack Sparrow it was, remember the ship, the Black Pearl, for some other guy in the second movie, I don't remember his name, but he, has, he, wants, he wants this romantic love through, uh, oh, I lost the name, Cleo... Something. Anyway, if you've, they're kind of old movies. Don't worry about it. The compass, the compass points toward what the person most desires. And the question is, is it working? Is all this working? Well, I don't think it's working on a societal level just based on like all the 
depression and sadness and like without when you when you flush the values of a community and make them relative like we all end up lonelier and more depressed and more anxious i know it's this is really complex uh and so i'm not i'm not standing as the expert but i i i see this as real and it, it also doesn't jive with what jesus said turn with me to mark 7 To be a follower of Jesus in many ways is to notice what's going on in your heart and then to re-aim your heart toward what is truly good. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength. The teaching of the Bible is that not everything in your heart is good. Not all your desires are on target. And Jesus says as much in Matthew chapter 7, verse 20. And then Jesus added, It is what comes from inside you that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. And these vile things come from within. They are what defile you, not the way that you like follow religious rules or traditions. That's kind of the context here. But as you, as you read that list, I imagine that each one of us could check one of the boxes. I think I can check four or five uh, between, you know, uh, evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. If you can't check any of those off, could you just, in your Bible, circle deceit? Because <laughs> you're lying to yourself. <laughs> The goal of discipleship, the goal of Christian discipleship, the, the invitation to follow Jesus means we notice what's going on in our heart and that we do what we can to turn our hearts toward Jesus. And this is a lifelong process. And here's what you can't think your way into holiness because we all know things that are good but then we don't do them. And we all know things that are bad and we do them anyway. That's the reason you didn't go to the gym this morning. Or did you? God, he's making me look bad. Listen, it's in the Bible too though. Romans chapter seven, verse, what did I put on there? 18. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I do what is right, but I, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living within me. In other words, Paul is talking about a, a, a war of desires that is going on in his own heart. The belief that actually, because we're humans, there is something in our nature that has been tainted by sin. 
Every one of us has desires that are not rightly oriented. We all love things and turn them into idols. And so in that way, we do not love the Lord our God with all our strength, with all our flesh, our soul, with our whole being, with our hearts. We love these other things and they become the defining factors in our life. We orient our lives around all sorts of things that aren't God. And, and yet, uh, the, the imagery he uses here, uh, or if we just jump to verse 22, well, 21, is that where we ended? I, I have discovered this principle in life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law. I love the way God has designed the world uh, with all my heart. But notice that reference to Deuteronomy 6. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave. Here's the metaphor, a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. Here's the answer. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Chapter 8, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. In other words, even though there's still a war going on inside your heart, there's like almost an already not yet where the heaven is beginning to flow into your being, but that won't fully be realized until Jesus returns. There is, there is no longer a pure enslavement. You, by the power of the Holy Spirit, through the invitation of his presence to come and transform our hearts, can begin to recalibrate the compass of our hearts. One great theologian, who I hope you all read with me later this month is St. Augustine. And in his opening paragraph, he says these words, our hearts are restless until they rest in you, Lord. Our hearts will keep looking for something that can fill them until they find the only place of true rest, which is in our great God. Listen, O vineyard, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and with all your strength. What does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your strength? That's where I want to hand off to the Bible Project video. And the worship team can come up during this if you'd like. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.